Welcome to the Fourth Dimension with Toby C., where participants dare to disclose bizarre experiences that occur in early recovery. The battle between good and evil, of God and of the occult. The psychic challenges we all encounter when trying to do the right thing. Now, here's Toby. Hey, it's me. My um, studio manager told me to stop reintroducing myself as Toby C because you hear that first time around, but hey, too bad. Hey, it's Toby C. I'm back with the fourth dimension. Yeah, it's a concept show. It's a concept show about evil resistance that so many of us experience in early recovery. Yeah. Today we have Ann B in the studio. Hello, Ann. Hello, Toby. And um, we're going to be taking Ann B like we do all of our guests and friends back on the magical mystery tour of open-mindedness. And uh, we're going to have an objective outlook at something called early sobriety or our earliest attempts, our earliest memories at trying to get better. And we're going to be doing that today with Anne, as we do with all of our guests. And, and go on this tour with us. If you're listening, go on this tour with us and just calm down and be open-minded to the fact that many of the experiences that so many of us have in early recovery, when we're at our most desperate moment, when, our, when we're on our knees and we're screaming out to, to God, to God help us. Do you remember that moment, everybody? Do you remember that moment, Anne? I think I remember that moment, but it happened a lot of times. There you go, bouncing around the bottom. Oh, absolutely. So many of us have multiple moments of of screaming out to God, to, to God help us. Well, let me tell you something. If we're not completely willing to completely surrender at that moment, uh, we're kind of in a, a place of suspended animation. We're in the fourth dimension. You better believe it. But but we're vulnerable. And, and something evil, something external, every single time, if we open our mind to it, was there to trip us up, to to magnify our bad decisions, to amplify our misery. And that's what we're going to be doing today with Anne. And um, take a deep breath, Anne. Okay. <laughs> so why don't you go ahead and give us a warm-up? You know, again, this is not drunk log radio, but why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of a warm-up about, uh, about what, the, what the, the bottom was like, your first memories of the bottom, when you finally hit the bottom and, and either you knew or somebody uh, told you that your life was completely unmanageable. Do you remember that moment? Well, the first moment was probably after I, I had gotten a DUI and my, my family decided that it was time for treatment. I didn't think I needed treatment. I didn't think I had a problem. Um, and they carted me off to treatment for the first time. And while I was there, I, you know, I, I was strictly alcoholic and there were people with all kinds of other things and prison time hanging over their heads. And I just, I did not feel like I belonged there. Um, but just the fact that, you know, my husband and my, my parents and everybody thought that that was a bottom. Um, looking back, I wish I would have done things different. I wish I would have, have taken advantage of, of the opportunities that were given to me, but I wasn't ready. And my bottoms continue to happen. Was it an intervention in the very beginning? Was it? Was it? Or, or, or just? Or did they just kind of get, say, "We'd like you to do this"? They said, "Pack your bags, and we're leaving in an hour." Okay, so that was, uh, yeah, that was a quickie. Yeah. 
Got and it. they and they promised me that it was just a detox, you know, seven days, and they left me there for two months. So, mm-hmm. um, I, I wish I would have been open then, but I wasn't, and I I still mm-hmm. had some bouncing to do, and mm-hmm. I continued to bounce for. How did that? Ma- let's let's go to that moment. How did that make you feel? This was the, this was on your first UI. Mm-hmm. How did that make you feel when they judged you? And they made this determination that your life was was unmanageable. You're completely out of control, and you needed to go to rehab and get your act straight. Um, you obviously had not made this decision yourself. Um, did you feel a form of rejection? Um, did this? How did this affect your 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 self image and how you felt about yourself, Anne? Well, it made me angry. Um, I, you know, at that time I was still married. I had a house. I had a career. Um, I was paying the bills. I was making the lunches. I was doing the laundry. There was there was nothing wrong with my life the way that I saw it. Um, but you know, a, a DUI with my children in the car is a wake up call. Um, and my my parents and my husband at the time were concerned as they should be. And they decided, I think, to try to head off a problem before it became a huge problem. Because at that time, they didn't really understand or realize the amount that I was drinking. Sure, sure. They didn't realize, maybe they didn't realize just how sick you were. Exactly. Okay. And that's fine. And, and it's like so many of us, Anne, you know, we, we're, we're in our disease, okay? We're in the depths of our addiction or our drinking or what have you. And... um. Uh, it's like we have this secret life that they're they're completely oblivious to. But nonetheless, we're not we're not here to go there. We're here to talk about your bottom. And would you say that that was the start, your, the first of many of your bottoms, when when you uh, went to to uh, to what was it a ten day rehab and you ended up staying there three months or what was it? It was seven days and I did six. 60 days. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the bottom was was being arrested and going to jail. Um, you know, I never even had a speeding ticket. So I had never interacted with with um, law enforcement or, you know, my, my job puts me in a position where I deal with it a little bit, but never to the extent of sitting in a cell and, and having them lock the door. And it was all this one DUI. Is that correct? Or, or was there have, another? Or was there another DUI? I have a total of two, but that was okay. the first. Okay, that was the first. You know, so, so, so really, the resistance, your demon, your resistance was was anger. You were being forced into uh, some type of a decision that was not your own, right? And you were angry. I was and, angry, uh, and I was, I was scared, and I was. I, I mean, yeah, I think anger is probably a good word. Yeah, yeah. I was afraid. Sure. Um, you know, they they were starting to realize the the shelter that I had built around myself, mm-hmm. and things started to fall. Mm-hmm. So, your earliest experience with with um, alcohol abuse recovery, you went to an AA meeting. And uh, you had some identification problems, didn't you? Explain, share that with us. Um, well, I didn't believe that I was alcoholic, first of all. Um, so just just going to the meeting, um, it was it was embarrassing. Um, I didn't want to be there. I didn't I didn't think I belonged there. Um, I did it to kind of just appease people and get them off my back. Mm-hmm. 
and you, but but you were there for 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 just alcohol. What about the rest of the crew? Well, the rest of the crew that I was in treatment with, they were there for a lot of different things. <laughs> I learned a lot of things while I was in treatment that I did not know. Um, I remember one funny story. I, I kind of peeked out a window, and one of the girls looked at me, and she said, you're not just an alcoholic, you're a tweaker. Well, I had no idea what a tweaker was. I, you know? I mean, it just was not my world. I, I just didn't belong there, and I was scared, and I, you know, I'm a beer drinker. That's all I do. Yeah, yeah. So there was the, the identification problem. And um, so describe it. Describe it to us. You know, by the way, if you're just joining us, um, my name is Toby C. The name of the show is The Fourth Dimension. It's a concept show. The concept is we don't take, talk about God in recovery. We talk about evil, Satan. We talk about the devil. We talk about external evil things that happened to so many of us in early recovery. And we're... We're here mashing it out right with, right in the very beginning here with Ann B, talking about uh, her earliest experiences and memory of uh, bouncing along the bottom and her earliest experience in, in, in getting some exposure to recovery. And by the way, Ann, you were getting exposure maybe to God, although you didn't know it at the time, did you? No, I didn't because, you know, I, I can look back on so many occasions before that arrest that I should have been arrested, you know, and I and and thank God I didn't hurt anybody and I didn't crash any cars and I, um, you know, nobody was injured. But that was definitely God watching out when I shouldn't have been doing what I was doing. Um, you know? no, no question about it. Hey, by the way, bef- I mean, on your way uh, down to the bottom, making all these poor decisions and then being amplified by evil, okay, what was your relationship growing up with... Um, with God or a God of your understanding? Did you go to church? Did you have rituals? Did you go to ceremonies? Um, was your was your family faith-based? Did you find a God of your understanding? Was God just kind of abstract? Just um, describe God quickly, if you um, would. Your God. Well, I was, I was raised Catholic. Okay. That should tell you the story. Okay, that pretty much sums it up. We went to church every Sunday. We went to church on holidays. I was an altar server. You know, when I was when they first started letting girls do it, I was one of the first ones in my community that did it. Um, later in life, I taught um, CCD, you know, which is Sunday school, basically. Um, I went to church my whole life. I, I had a God. I believed in God. Um, as it got later and I started drinking more, I did the normal, get me out of this one, you know, get me home one more time, God, and I'll never do this again. Um, and then, you know, days later I was doing the same thing, but I've always believed that there's something out there bigger than me. I'm not, I I have no problem with, with believing in a God. Sure, sure. Um, but I do look at it sometimes like, where was God, you know? There you go. And again, we're just talking about that at that point in time. You know, maybe your relationship with God today has changed profoundly. Maybe, hopefully, I would imagine so. But uh, but back then, you know, when we were still trying to figure out uh, this God thing, you know, a lot of people put God and the devil up there with uh, the Easter Bunny and uh, uh, Santa Claus. You know, it's just very abstract. It was, you know, you read about it, but but to have a close relationship with God, many of us, you know, that eluded so many of us. So anyway... We're at the bottom, and um, and you're trying to figure this thing out, and you're going to group, and you're going to meetings, and it's just not, it's just not, it's just not taking hold, is it, Anne? 
No, it didn't take hold for a long time. Uh, it was a number of years for me, and one more DUI and two more treatment centers. Um, and then it got to the point where, you know, I blamed God, because mm. how could God let this happen? You know, how, where was God when I... I love it. I love it. <laughs> I read my mind. I think we're in the zone now. I was going to ask you, were you disappointed by some of the things that happened to you, you know, during that period in your life? And did you blame God, Anne? I did you blame him? Definitely blamed God. And, you know, I... <laughs> I don't think my sister will ever hear this story, this this podcast, but I have one sister, and we were raised, obviously, by the same parents in the same house with the same upbringing, and, and you know, I got married and had kids. She did not. So there was a time when I looked at God, and I was like, you know, why would you make me have this problem when I have so much to lose, you know? My husband's going to divorce me. My children are going to hate me. I'm not going to have my home. Why would you do this to me and not her? How interesting. She's got nothing to lose. <laughs> I love it. We're going to be right back with Ann B. here on the Fourth Dimension. We're talking about we're talking about evil. We're talking about evil uh, experiences that we have in early recovery. And Ann just nailed it. She's asking God why. Okay, that's exactly where the devil wants us to be blaming God. So we don't blame him. We're going to be right back with Ann B. on the Fourth Dimension. If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. the imagination to take us places we might be afraid to go. You are entering the fourth dimension with Toby C. There is no such thing as coincidences. Here's Toby. Those who deny the existence of satanic malice have a lot to learn, baby. Let me tell you there, um, evil is present, especially when we're making bad decisions and we're opening up our minds to negativity. And right now, and you are opening up your mind to some major negativity um, when you're kind of uh, trying to figure it out in between DUIs and, and rehabs and, and the whole family dynamic. You had a lot of anger going on, a lot of blame. What was going on? Tell us about the, the family and, and tell us about the disappointment. Tell us about the injuries. Well, you know, my family was just like any normal family. You know, I don't, there's, I'm the only one that seems to be inflicted with this. Um, my father expected a lot. So he wanted, you know, every, everything that we ever achieved was almost like, well, aren't you supposed to do that? Aren't you supposed to have good grades? Aren't you supposed to? So there was a level of perfection that had to be reached. And when it was, determined first by them and then by me um, that alcohol was a problem and it was something that I couldn't control and couldn't manage on my own, um, then I was less than perfect. You, you know? felt different, didn't I you? Was not, oh. I was not the daughter that they all thought I was 
going to be or supposed to be or... Did you feel like the black sheep? I did. There it is. I did. And I still do. You know, we still have family things where we'll sit around at Christmas or and they'll all have wine with their dinners and there's me. Less, you know, I'm the odd man out with my iced tea. Um, uh. So I felt like I had disappointed them. Um, you know, over time, I felt like I had disappointed myself, you know, because and especially once I became a mom, um, because all I ever wanted to be was a mom. And here I was this alcoholic, drunk mother, you know, and so it was a dream come true. But it wasn't, was it? What did your dream come true and become a nightmare? It did because I, you know, I had this this image of what motherhood was going to be, and it wasn't me. You're and you were disappointed. So yeah, I just I, I felt disappointed towards my family. I felt disappointed towards myself, and then as my kids got older, I disappointed them. You know, I remember my son telling me one time, you know, when I had relapsed, and he said, you know. I just talked about it in school. We were talking about addiction, and I told them how proud I was that my mother had gotten sober. And here you are relapsing again, you know. And so there was a disappointment from my kids that that hit hard, you know. That was almost worse than myself and my my father. In fact, it was worse. Um, So, you know, it it, the dynamic of my family was, was normal except for me. And you couldn't open your mind in the very beginning that that maybe you weren't less than, maybe you were extraordinary, but you didn't see yourself that way, did you? No. There it is. No, everything and was again, an embarrassment. I get it. You know, listen, Anne, it's the, it's the dysfunctional family system. We all experience it in one way or another, and, uh, and there it was. And, and just like so many of us, if we experience enough disappointment, you know, you had some injuries... Uh, like so many of us, emotional, uh, spiritual, what have you, psychological, uh, financial, right? Injuries to your expectations, sure. Um, but like so many of us, if you're disappointed long enough, you move into anger, don't you? Did you become angry? And did this anger fuel some form of, of ambivalent behavior like I just don't give a damn I I am what I am it is what it is what do you think Ann well yeah there was some ambivalence and there was you know I kind of I I I always I played the card of well if I had cancer you wouldn't be mad at me or if I had you know diabetes you wouldn't be mad at me and you know I'm an alcoholic how can you be mad at me for that um, so I, I I had some anger towards my family because it was they just didn't understand they just they didn't get what it was like to have that in my mind you know mm-hmm. and this anger we're going to really mash it out you know after the bottom of the hour break here this anger and I want to explore with you if possibly this anger this negative vibration opened you up to to more suffering. Okay, to more to more mistakes, to more misery, and and that's what we want to talk about the things that that really discouraged you from getting better, the things that kept you maybe in turmoil or or in confusion. 
the kind of place that evil wants us to be. And, and I want to explore that with you after the break, okay? Because that's where we're going to be going. Would you do that with us? Sure. I know you would, because I'm not going to let you go. All right, we're going to be right back with Ann B. on Toby C. The name of the show is The Fourth Dimension. And uh, we're mashing it out, talking about disappointment and anger and evil resistance that so many of us experience when we desperately want to get better in early recovery. We'll be right back. sense out of nonsense making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth you've landed in the fourth dimension with toby c you know and the devil wants to keep us confused wants to keep us distracted wants to keep us in a place called denial and why don't you share with us a little bit about who you are and and maybe the illusion that uh, that Satan wanted you to believe as we mash it through this segment about talking about evil resistance that you experienced patently or latently in, in your earliest attempts to get better. Give us a little bit more about, about who you are and what you're all about, Anne. Well, you know, I I grew up and the only thing I ever wanted to be was a mom. Um, that was my that was my goal in life, um, and so I set my sights on that. But in the meantime, you know, I I got good grades in school and I played sports and I, you know, I was part of student council and things in school and everything I ever set out to do, I achieved, you know, I got into the college that I wanted to go to. I, I went and got a, a law degree, um, and, and achieved that and passed the bar exam. So any, any time I ever decided I wanted to do something, I did it. And so when I got into the program and people started talking about, you know, working the steps and not not drinking, I thought, I can I can control this. I can handle this because I can drink like a normal person. I, I am able to achieve the things I want to do. And what I want to do is drink like a normal person. So they said at one time, I remember somebody telling me that, you know, I, w- I was too smart for the program. Oh, I love that. Where they say, too much intelligence and not enough experience. I've heard that one before. Yeah. Well, that was me, you know. Um, I always believed that I would be able to to beat it um, because everything else in my life was going well. You know, I had the kids, I had the house, I had the job. Um, everything else was flowing along fine. Did you have some resistance about cleaning house 
in recovery, whether it was the 12-step program or whatever program you were introduced to, you know, you, you got a law degree, you, you went to the college of your, of your choice, you did everything you wanted to do, every time you, you set the bar high, you nailed it. What kept you, Anne, from, from taking this, this, this first accurate self-survey they call real, true, honest step work? Because you thought, I don't have to do this. I can beat this thing, didn't you? I did. I believed that, you know, I, I was smart enough to, to do all these other things. Why is it that I wasn't smart enough to stop yeah. after three beers or four beers or pick your number? And how interesting. And, and you could have found the answer to why had you really put your hand in the hand of another woman and really trusted the process and really, you know, opened your mind and, and got into some step work, you could have answered, could, you could have gotten the answers to why, but you didn't want to. And the reason why maybe you didn't want to, Ann, is, is like so many of us, you're in denial. And you even said it yourself. You did everything you set out to do. Why? Why couldn't you stop drinking? Okay? And there it is, the big mystery. Well, and part of it, I think, is, you know, I, I started to question that that faith and that God that all along I had. Um, but why was he letting me down now? You know, I, I prayed for the right school. I prayed for the husband. I prayed for all these other and I got them. Why, when I stopped and prayed to figure out how to drink normal, where was he? Mm-hmm. All your dreams came true, didn't they? You got your family, got your kids, got the husband of your dreams, got the law degree, had all the material success. But your dream, your dreams come true, turned into a nightmare, ultimately. And you're asking yourself, why? And, and you're blaming, among other people, you might have been blaming yourself, and you're blaming God, weren't you? Yeah, I I definitely blamed God. Yeah, and let's open our mind to the to the possibility that if there isn't if there is something satanic and evil out there, that's exactly what he wanted you to do. All right, blame him, blame her, blame it, blame yourself, blame God, God damn it, but don't blame Satan. Whatever you do, all right, there it is. And gang, again, you know, if you're just joining us, this is all about acknowledging the existence of evil, okay? Satan does not want us to acknowledge his existence. And the reason why we talk about evil and Satan and Lucifer and negative paranormal energy, whatever you want to call it, is is to make the relevance of God less abstract, to remind ourselves that there is one who has all power and that one is God and may you find him now in our in, in our most utter desperate moments of of suffering when we move that way there's something out there if we're not completely surrendered uh, to this to this light that wants to push us and pull us back into the darkness even if it's something like like denial and anger and disappointment and there it is so and tell us you know you're at the bottom what what made the difference finally for you 
that finally got you uh, to to move into maybe trusting the process and, and getting close to another trusted person and doing some step work and, and doing this final first accurate self-survey. What do you think? I think for me, it was a, I became desperate. I, I reached a point of, of completely being desperate to make things, relationships, things flow better, things easier, things, um, you know, I, I had a lot of consequences in, in my drinking. Um, you know, I, I did a little bit of jail time, not a lot compared to some people. Um, but you know, I, I had an ankle bracelet. I had the breathalyzer in the car. I had the treatment centers. I had the probation officers. I had the, all these things and none of that mattered. You know, my bottom, my bottom was you're, purely you're, emotional. You were pissed off. I every, was. Every day you woke up with the with the breathalyzer and the ankle bracelet, I'll bet you're asking yourself the evil three-letter word, weren't you? Why? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Everybody man. in my family had a breathalyzer yeah, before I yeah. was allowed at dinner. Yeah. And by the way, when you were screaming out why every morning you're getting in that car, who are you asking why to? I was asking God. Yeah, why, why, why are you, why is there? Is this a test, God? Why are you doing this to me? What's the point of all this? What's the purpose of all this? Yeah. And by the way, I got to tell you, Anne. You know, here we go again. You know, was it a loving God that was making you answer or ask all those why questions, or was it, or was it evil possibly, you know, causing you confusion? And, and bewilderment and torment. It was evil, wasn't it? You know, it wasn't a loving God. You know, you knew God loved you, but you didn't know who to blame, did you? You know, we don't say, damn you, devil. No, we say, God damn it. That's an easy one, man. And that's what the devil wants us to do, you know? But, uh, you know, at the final moment, you knew that you were completely powerless over this thing and you needed to finally rely on a power greater than yourself and you and you finally moved toward that that power greater than yourself. But it happened through 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 some interaction you have with your children. What happened exactly? Well, you know, I was just thinking while you were saying that, it's like the it's like the joke that they say about the, the, the person who's standing on the roof of his of his house as the water rises and then at the end they go to heaven and he said they say where's you know where were you god and god said i sent the boat and i sent the helicopter and i sent you know all these people to try to save you and you just didn't get it until it was too late yeah and for me you know i have to i look at it sometimes and i'm like you know maybe god sent that that DUI and maybe God sent that breathalyzer and maybe God sent that ankle bracelet. That was the water rising. And that was the where, yeah. And it wasn't until I was finally underwater and the house was gone. And that was the day my kids said to me, we're done. You know, we're, we want nothing to do with you if you're not going to be sober. And so, you know, at that point the, the water had reached the top of the house and that was finally the message from God that, that rang the bell. Yeah. And let me ask you, Anne, was it, was it immediate and an overwhelming or was it still kind of a grind and a process in the beginning when you finally made that decision? What do you think? You know, was it, uh, you know, was it difficult for you to still start to move in that direction or, or, uh, or did the skies open up and, and this bolt of lightning come down and strike you sober? 
I mean, honestly, what do you think? No, I don't think there was a bolt of lightning. And I, and I think that there was still some anger. Um, and I think my anger was more that, you know, how dare they desert me at my, at my lowest hour. And I was yeah. mad. You picked a fine time to leave me. Yeah. You know, yeah. here I am at, at my rock bottom and Kicking me desperate, while I'm down. And yep. now you're going to leave? Yeah. And you won't even answer the phone? Yeah. What is wrong with you people? I love it. I love it. Gosh, how many of us have gone through that moment? How interesting. And, and what do you think, Ann? You know, was God listening? Was God still there? Everybody and everything had left you. But, uh, you know, maybe God was still listening. Maybe he's still waiting for you to answer the door. Well, and I, and I definitely think he was. You know, I, I, I read a lot and I, and I talk to a lot of people in the program. And, and you hear about people that die alone. They had a seizure, you know, or they weren't monitored as they detoxed. And, and I did it all by myself in my house all alone. And anything could have happened. So God kept me alive for a reason. Yeah. Um, and I believe that that day, because I remember that day like it was yesterday, and it was the most painful, awful, I mean, I was sweating to death. I was, I think I took eight showers in one day home alone, you know, because I, I was so miserable and so sick. Did, did you have a talk to God that day and, and ask him to kind of help you through this? <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of talking to God that day. It wasn't all asking for help. Some of it was, some of it was anger, but see, beautiful. And I got to tell you, Anne, until we let go absolutely, until we're able to have that complete, loving, open conversation with God, as long as there's some resistance, that's where the devil wants us. See, we were still open to this this evil resistance, you know, and. And there it lingers and lies, and it, and it still makes the road of recovery still bumpy and, and difficult, as it was for you, even after that, that moment of clarity with your children. Yeah. We're going to be right back with Ann B. for our fourth and final segment of Hour One with the Fourth Dimension with Toby C. Stand by. Be right back. then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Are you feeling a little uncomfortable? Then you're right where you belong. In the Fourth Dimension with Toby C. You know, get a, don't get alarmed when we talk about Satan or evil or the devil, okay? You know, um, we're just trying to keep a healthy, balanced, uh, objective outlook on the existence of evil. Because to disbelieve in the existence of the devil is right where he wants us to be, okay? And that's extreme behavior. And of course, to have an excessive and unhealthy interest in evil is not good either. But, but let me tell you something. If... Um, if you can't emerge from your misery on your own, 
and maybe you're suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And I got to tell you, at those moments that we try to have those spiritual experiences and move toward a God of our understanding and get better, there's something that kind of gets in the way. There's something that gets in the way, Anne. So, Anne, you're, uh, you had your moment of clarity with your children, and you finally had an overwhelming and compelling reason to, to finally get sober and stay sober. But it wasn't that easy, was it? It wasn't. There is still, there is still some resistance. Describe it. Well, I think my resistance was more confusion. You know, it's like I started to say earlier about my my situation with my sister. And don't get me wrong, I love my sister to death. Um, she's certainly done a lot for me in the last couple of years. But I was confused as to why one of us would turn out one way and one of us would turn out so much the other way, you know. And my self-esteem, my, my opinion of myself was so low because how could I have achieved all of these things and then be this crazy alcoholic drunk that, you know, that did made these crazy decisions and made these crazy choices and endangered other people. And, and why would God take the sister that, that has the family and the children and make me the bad one? And then not, you know, she's, she's normal. Um, so I was confused and, and I don't understand why some people can drink normally and I can't. Do you, let me ask you this. Do you think the devil wants us to believe we are something that we are not? Yeah. Okay, let me ask you another question. Do you believe that God wants us to have faith and imagine what we could possibly be? I do, and I think... You know, it, it, every, they say everything happens in God's world for a reason. I think the reason that God put me in the situations that he put me in and made me go through the things that I went to, through, there's got to be a reason for that. You know, and now I look at the work that I do and I do some service work, I do some volunteer work, and I take my experience, be it the, you know, the book experience and the knowledge that I have, and then I take the recovery experience and I can relate to people a little bit better because of both of those things. Right. Again, you were you were so capable of doing A through Y. Anything you set your mind to, you could do. But it was Z. It was that one last little thing that was denied you. And you were confused. And you were angry. And it kept you kept you in this, this state of, of why. Why? And who are you asking why to? God. Of course. And you there's got to be a reason. You weren't saying why to the devil, were you? No. You were saying why. See, how interesting. And I'm telling you, you know, the devil wants to stay hidden. He wants to stay in the corner. He's a player, man. The dark angel is a player. Let me tell you where that, you know, light is the absence of darkness and darkness is the absence of light. And trust me, the darkness is there if we open up our minds to it. And and maybe maybe your demon and was not necessarily ambivalence and anger. Maybe your demon was confusion. Was confusion. What do you think that you know the bewilderment? What do you think? <laughs> well, I think there was definitely a confusion just in the fact that 
you know, all of these other things that I had done, and I couldn't figure out how to not drink or not control my drinking if, mm-hmm. you know, if moderation was my was my answer. But Were you good in school? Were you a top mm-hmm. achiever? Yeah. So there's this, there's this passage in this book called Alcoholics Anonymous, and it says something about intellect and humility. And it says that intellect... Those of us, in, as those those intellectuals, and humility are compatible, provided we place humility first. And in all of your earthly pursuits, with your intellectual prowess and your your accomplishments and your achievements, were your motives to serve God, or were they to serve self? What do you think? I don't think that they were to either. I think that they were to serve. The people around me. Ah, but to fulfill a purpose? My purpose was to be good enough, my self-esteem, to make myself feel better, to make myself feel that I had achieved things. But I have always been... A giver, to to serve. Somewhat codependent. Right, right, right. But, But your service work has changed. It's on a different level, isn't it, today? You know, maybe your service work back then... Maybe what you were paying attention to, maybe your motives for service, and it's not that big of a deal. We all suffer from it. Were they to serve the bondage of self? Maybe we didn't know it at the time. It tells us, even though our motives were good, you know, we still we still step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. You know, so you know, the road to hell is paved in good, with good intentions. What do you think? Well, I think there's a certain amount of ego to it. Um, you know, I, I definitely did some of the things that I did and achieved some of the things I did. You're a winner. To inflate my ego. You're a winner. But something happened at the game of God, the God game. And um, like so many of us, there's something where it says, you know, we, we uh, when our scorecards read zero. Remember that passage? And we had to kind of ask ourselves, you know, in the final analysis. You know, what's going on here? And uh, anyway, take a deep breath, man. This was really intense, and for hour one, you know, I want to thank you for for joining me. And, and, you know, we mashed out the ghost story, the ghost story of denial, the ghost story of confusion. You know, that's where evil wants us to be, gang. And, and like I said, let's stop blaming him or her or it or ourselves. Let's not give ourselves so much credit. Let's stop blaming God. And let's let's cast the, the light and give credit where credit is due sometimes. And that's evil. Evil that amplifies and magnifies our bad decisions, yeah. And thank you so much for coming in for hour one. Looking forward to hour two. Stand by. Thank you. Thank you.
Welcome to the fourth dimension with Toby C, where participants dare to disclose bizarre experiences that occur in early recovery. The battle between good and evil, of God and of the occult. The psychic challenges we all encounter when trying to do the right thing. Now, here's Toby. I'm back. Oh yeah, can't keep a good mouth down. Power number two with Ann B. Hey Ann. Hey Toby. All right, take a deep breath. <laughs> Hour number two with Ann. Hey, check it out. Ann and I kind of mashed over what we were talking about in hour one. And you know what we're going to focus on in this hour is we're going to focus on, that's right, evil resistance during early recovery. Of course, that's the theme of all of our shows. Hey, by the way, if this, if this is your first time to the fourth dimension with Toby C., uh, it's not your usual show. This is a show that we talk about the antithesis of God. We talk about evil. We talk about Satan. We talk about the devil. We talk about anything that may be obscuring um, our connection and our relationship and our present existence with the God of our understanding. There it is. We talk about evil in the form of anything that confuses, makes us doubt, makes us indecisive, makes it vague, makes it cryptic, this, this idea of a God of our understanding. And I don't know about you, Anne, but I've, um, I've bounced around enough recovery centers that I know that, that no human power can relieve my suffering, but only God could and would if he were sought. Um, I got a my understanding. Is that your understanding there, Anne? That uh, I think I always had an understanding. I think it took me a long time to rely on that understanding. Mm -hmm. I knew that there was something out there bigger than me, but I didn't trust that that would, that would get me through things, that that would take care of me, that that would protect me. Um, you know, we talked about that last hour. You had a God of your understanding. You grew up a, a Catholic girl. You did all altar service, altar work. Um, you made deals with God like so many of us do, right? You know, God, if you get me out of this one. But um, something along the way interfered with your life, didn't it? That was kind of the takeaway from last hour, that something... Now that we can objectively and calmly look back, there was something interfering with your your ability to to live your life as you saw the life that you wanted to live, right, Anne? What do you think? Yeah. I mean, I had, on the surface, I had a lot of the things that I thought that I wanted. Uh, my life was going the way that I thought I wanted it to be. But I think once I got to where my life took me, I still wasn't happy. Mm -hmm. And that made me realize that I could either start over or I could find a way to just accept the life that I had. And, and unfortunately, I just decided to accept the life that I had. And uh, I found alcohol, which made that a whole lot easier. But alcohol, just like drugs, despite what we all may think, is not really the devil, okay? Although I've heard people called 
certain particular drugs. The devil. It's evil. It's the devil. But come on, man. We use drugs and alcohol to, uh, to put out a, a fire, a, a, deep, a deep fire that, uh, that started by somebody. We didn't start that fire ourselves. We didn't start the fire. Wasn't it a Billy Joel song? <laughs> um, it was started by somebody or something else. And that's exactly what we're going to be doing this hour is we're going to explore that fire, that evil that manifests itself through somebody else, through some external something else. And um, we're going to be focusing on that this hour. We're going to be, in particular, we're going to be talking about your father and your ex-husband. All right? And what we're going to be talking about, as you well know, is we're going to be talking about unfair judgment and unrealistic expectations. And what unfair judgment and unrealistic expectation by your parent and by your spouse, what that caused you, and what that caused you, Anne, was it caused you an overwhelming and compelling reason to get loaded and to stay loaded, didn't it? Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like we were saying earlier, I, I don't, neither one of those people are bad people. Um, you know, I think they both, in their hearts, they would want the best for me. I think, you know, with my husband, we went into it believing that, we you know, we were going to build this life together. Um, I think that my father is, you know, he was a good provider and he wanted the best for his daughters. And, you know, he gave us everything that we could possibly need or want. Um, but something through them made me feel less than. And maybe it was how they presented it. Maybe it was how I took it. How interesting. So sometimes when people place unrealistic expectations on us, okay, maybe what they're trying to do is, 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 is really push us, all right? But maybe there's a subliminal message. The message is, you're not good enough. What do you think, Ann? Do you think that, that maybe somebody who was such a, a capable achiever as yourself was left with this, this latent feeling deep down inside that, that uh, here it comes, why? Why are they unfairly judging me? Why are they pushing me so hard and having such unrealistic expectations? Is there something wrong with Anne? What do you think? Well, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think, I don't think that they did it to hurt me. Um, and it could be just the way that I, I took it. You know, maybe those, maybe the expectations that they had weren't there. Maybe, maybe I imagined it. Maybe I felt that way for some reason. Yeah, wait a second. That's, remember, this show is about evil resistance during early recovery. And we're, let's not give ourselves so much credit here, Anne, okay? Something external was happening, okay, that, that shaped the way you perceived and, 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 and processed what was going on, okay? The evil came from outside. The evil came in the form of unfairly judging you and placing the bar very high for you to achieve, all right? Correct me if I'm wrong. No, and, the, the bar was high. Okay. The bar was definitely high. And 
who set that bar high? And don't tell me that you know the the road to of good intention or the you know the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Okay, you know they're unfairly judging you, just like so many parents and spouses. This is real common, but but you were experiencing it, and what was your reaction to this type of of uh, unfair judgment and unrealistic expectations? What was your, your overwhelming, consistent reaction? It was always anger. anger. Thank you. There it was. And anger, we now know, is not good, is it? It's sinful behavior, man. It opens ourselves up to a real bad negative vibration, okay? And, um, and, that, and that anger was your fire. That was your fire, man. That was your fire that only a case of cold, tall beers could put out. Talk about it, Ann. I mean, there it was. And it was external. It was not an inside job. Well, it was external in the, in, yeah. You know, they, they set standards that were nearly impossible to meet. Um, perfection is, you know, nobody's perfect. Um so they they definitely played into that and and I did get angry you know and I think I lashed back you know there were times when I would argue with my father just for the sake of arguing and I would you know not do things the way that my husband thought that they should be done um, that so, was that was my fine. my fighting back fine. so there was conflict and there was turmoil and that you were lashing back and you were acting out with alcohol and you were withdrawing into your little private space. Was that was that God? No. Doing for you what you could not do for yourself. <laughs> no, there was there was no God there. Thank you. By the way, if you're just joining us, gang, on in the middle of this long segment, uh, my name is Toby C. The name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension with Toby C. And we talk about evil resistance during early recovery. And we're here with Ann B. talking about, among other things, the devil as the devil presents himself through other people's behavior. And unfairly judging people, you know, is not open-mindedness, is it? No. All right. So, so finish up this segment and just tell us about really what all this unfair judgment and these unrealistic ex expectations caused in you, um, this, this turmoil? I think it was more of the unrealistic judgment or, you know, um, I think it never allowed me to be the person that I wanted to be because anytime I did something the way I wanted or tried to follow, you know, a thought that I wanted, I, they, they pushed it back. They, you know, it wasn't their thought, so it wasn't a good thought. Um, so I think more, mine was more of, of the judgment. I reached the expectations. I mean, for the, except for the fact that I was drinking a case of beer while they were, while life was going on, I, I reached most of the expectations, but them judging me for not doing it the way they wanted it done or the way they thought it should be done. That was the thing that made me angry. Oh, by the way, did you get sober the way they thought you should get no. sober? No. <laughs> I had to throw that in. By the way, and you, you even mentioned it, 
that you had identification problems mm. with recovery. You know, you could not identify and relate to these people, okay? And, and again, um, this is all part of this pattern of being unfairly judged. Um, now you're thrown into a whole different arena. Remember in the, in the first segment of the first hour, you are talking about all these miscreants and people that you could not relate to. Well, I think, you know, first of all, any kind of addiction is, if, unless you're in it, and unless you've had experience with it, it there's a there's a negative stereotype that goes with it. Um, so I don't think that anybody can say. Well, I shouldn't say that. There are probably people in the program with years of sobriety who would say, you know, I'm grateful to be. Um, that's not how I feel. I, I I wouldn't go so far as to say I'm grateful to be an alcoholic. Um, and as far as identifying, you know, I just I was a beer drinker. You know, I never did anything else. So how could I possibly be an alcoholic? Yeah. Well, at the end of the drink is beer. We're going to be right back with Ann B. My name is Toby C. Name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension. And we're going to talk about how we can blame God when we're angry. And that's exactly what the devil wants us to do. And that keeps us from getting better quite often. Being pissed off in early recovery. How about that? We're going to be right back. I'm Toby C. Be, be right back with the MB. If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. the imagination to take us places we might be afraid to go. You are entering the fourth dimension with Toby C. There is no such thing as coincidences. Here's Toby. Better believe it, here's Toby. All right, we're back with Ann B. Talking about evil resistance and early recovery. You better believe it. And listen, we don't talk about God. God did for me what I couldn't do for myself. We're talking about the devil. Why? Because if the figure of the devil is missing, then one also loses sight of the figure of God himself or itself. Doesn't that make sense? The devil wants us to, you know, the devil wants the concept of God to be abstract. The more abstract and confusing, the better. The devil's greatest advantage is the darkness of confusion. Keeps us confused. The evil three-letter word, why? Why me? Why this? Blah, blah, blah. All right. Anne's going to mash it out uh, between now and the bottom of the hour. This, she's going to describe this fire, this burning fire that came about as a result of unfair judgment and unrealistic expectations by, by people close to her. Maybe we can all relate to that. What do you think, Anne? Yeah, I mean, my, my anger definitely began or was based on my relationship with my father and my ex-husband. Um, you know, as long as I was moving the goalposts, you know, moving along with them with the goalposts, that was fine. But once 
I got to the top of what are their expectations and I didn't want to be there. And I, I, it's just not where I wanted my life to be. It's just, I wasn't doing the kind of work professionally that I wanted to do, but I was a P you know, everybody, everybody else was pleased. Um, and then the alcohol started because the alcohol was my way of getting through each day. That was my, that was the little bit of water that I could sprinkle on that fire. Just, and it never put the fire out, but it put enough, you know, it, it lowered the flame just enough. That Excuse I could, me. And what was the fire again? It was... The anger. Thank you. <laughs> uh, but it lowered the flame just enough that I could exist. Um, and then once they all found out the extent to which I was using alcohol to, to get through each day, then they, they expected me to be normal again quickly. They were very intolerant of my, of my behavior. You know, they sent me to treatment. Thank you. What they, they, and they didn't understand your sickness and they didn't understand your recovery, did they? I, I remember standing in the kitchen with my husband and him saying, first he said, um, you're going to treatment. And I said, I can't go to treatment. You know, tomorrow's my birthday and I have this going on at work and I have that. No, you're going to treatment. It was like they made this decision and nobody bothered to ask me, which is what had been going on my entire life that, you know, nobody asked me my opinion. Everybody just expected me to do what they wanted me to do. And so I went to treatment, and then I remember coming home from treatment, and I'll never forget it, him saying to me that this program will never be part of my life. I want a wife that can have a glass of wine with dinner. Wow. And I knew, even though I did not think I was an alcoholic at that moment, I knew that that wife would never be me. Wow. Wait a second. That's a great ghost story. Didn't understand your pain that caused you to create this fire. They didn't understand that they were part of the reason for the fire. And then when you finally found a solution to put out the fire, they didn't want to be part of the solution. How sad, Anne, how sad. He told me after 60 days of being in treatment that... I was not, I was never going to be the wife that he wanted me to be or that he wanted to be, whether it was me or anybody else. Was that that God or was that the devil? Oh, I think that was the devil. I mean, I, you know, and and he's not a bad person, but I think it was something working through him to try to keep me in, in the fire, in the hole. I had found under control something. I had found a little bit of a, of a alleyway out. And that was a way of blocking that alleyway because either, either I gave up the marriage and put out the fire or I stayed in the marriage and the fire continued to rage. You just described evil resistance during early recovery. You just described a ghost story. You just described, Anne, something that a lot of us, including Toby, yours truly, can relate to. You know, so much of our pain comes from the dysfunctional family system. You know, and until we really recover and get better ourselves, we cannot really see just how sick they are, right, Anne? We can't. We can't see it when we're when we're in our sickness and we're trying to get better ourselves, can we? And uh, and it's evil. Yeah. It. You know. I don't know. I. I, I look back on that day a lot. Um, 
you know, I have, I and I still to this day have kind of mixed feelings about it. You know, maybe I should have made a different decision. Maybe I could have found another way to put the fire out. Yeah, yeah. Maybe don't I, don't even but, go there. That's the devil. Well, whenever whenever we need to go back and say maybe I should have or I should have or I should have. Nah, nah, nah. This is good, though. We pulled a ghost story out of Anne just now. It was beautiful. We're going to be right back. My name is Toby C. The name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension. We talk about evil resistance during early recovery. That's so many of us experience. Maybe you can relate. We're going to be right back after the bottom of the hour. message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Making sense out of nonsense. Making you as curious and uncomfortable as possible with the truth. You've landed in the fourth dimension with Toby C., You know, the fourth dimension can be described as a higher level of planular thinking. It's where we uh, try to open up our minds and think outside of the limitations of a three-dimensional world. And what we're doing on this show is we do every show with Ann B. And I'm Toby C. And you're not going to know her last name. It's an anonymous program. We're talking about the devil. We're talking about evil. We're opening up our minds to the fact that maybe... Maybe he or it was there the whole time, just waiting for us to open up our, our energies to him, to the, the prince of darkness. And we do that quite often when we engage the seven deadly sins. And the one seven deadly that we're talking about today with Anne is anger. Right, Anne? Oh, yeah. And um, let me tell you something. And it's a real common theme. So many of us get angry at those who cause us to get into recovery. And then we get angry at those who threaten our ability to recover and get better. And, and it's evil. You know, you can call it bad luck, bad people, bad timing, okay? But, but the devil uses people to interfere with our spiritual progress and our happiness. Don't you agree, Anne? I agree. And when I, you know, when I first, like we were talking about the last few minutes ago, about when my husband said to me that he did not want a wife in recovery, um, I think in the back of my mind, I knew that going through with recovery was was a better idea than not. Um that you know the the consequences of my drinking were starting to were starting to become unbearable. Um, getting a DUI, having to go to treatment, having you know to to face this, um, and so I I kind of jumped into recovery. I I had trouble identifying, but I always enjoyed the meetings. I always enjoyed working with people. I always enjoyed you know I have a lot of friends who were in the program before I even came in. People that I've known my whole life. Um, 
that were in the program. So I was okay with that. And then, you know, the, the idea of getting a sponsor and opening up to people, that was never really, that was not easy for me. Um, I didn't like sharing. I didn't like looking at my role and looking at other people who I resented and people that had let me down. Um, and I remember I had this, I had one sponsor one time and we had done a, a you know, a, a fourth step and which was really a fifth step when I talked to her about it. And she turned around with some of the information and called my mom. And I already had trust issues coming in because here my father and my husband, who I had believed when I, you know, started out with the two of them, wanted the best for me. Um, there, there were some trust issues there. And then I go into this program that's supposed to help me get through all of this and come out sober and better on the other side. And she turns around and breaks a trust. And for me, that was, that was about a deal breaker for the program. You know, at mm -hmm. that point I decided that I didn't need a sponsor. I didn't need these meetings and I didn't need any of these people that I could figure out. I'm a smart person and I can figure out how to, how to stop drinking and live my life the way that I want to live my life. Okay. So hold, hold it. That's pretty heavy. So you're pushed away from the program you were bombarded away from the program by somebody violating your trust. There it is. And this was your sponsor. How interesting. And maybe you had, um, maybe you unfairly judged this person, Anne. Think about it. Maybe you thought this person was better than they actually were. Maybe you thought that this person, because they're a sponsor, they're supposed to be, you know, rational. Well, and they're I, supposed to be well, and they're not supposed to behave this way. She had a lot of years in the program. She was, you know, of service. She sponsored a ton of girls. Um, and I think when you're new to recovery and you come in and you don't know anything and you kind of rely on people who have been around for a while and, and you know, you think that... that they're trustworthy. They're going to run the program the way the program's supposed to be run, and right. that's not always the case. Now, check this out. This is another ghost story, Anne. All right? I'll tell you why this is a ghost story you're, you're starting to describe. Because we're in a, we're in a program. The 12-step program, by the way, is their, their mantra. There's three parts of the 12-step program. The mantra is you trust God, you clean house, and you help others. Okay? And that's how you... You know, skip to the loo, my darling, and live happy and joyous and free forever, you know, supposedly in theory. Trusting God is the first leg of, 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 the, uh, of, of these three levels of 12-step of, of achievement. Trust God, clean house, help others. And quite often when we put our hands in the hand of another man or another woman, that's a form of trusting God, is it not? Yes. You did it. But you didn't you didn't know it at the time. You weren't putting your hand in the hand of a woman of God. That maybe it's possible that you were putting your hand in the hand of somebody who was really sick and really possessed, despite this illusion of being, you know, this master sponsor and helping so many women and all this. Um, you know, maybe Maybe there was the great illusion going on and you just didn't know it at the time. Who, what rational, well person 
we called the parent <laughs> of, of, of a suffering soul and, and out them, all right? Um, did God, did a loving God of your understanding, Anne, do that? No. Um, so it must have been something. And, and, uh, and like I said, don't give people so much credit. You know, don't give ourselves so much credit. Um, God didn't do that. God didn't make her call your parents. But I'll bet when you heard it, I'll bet you said, God damn it, didn't you? Well, and it brought up the anger And you blame God. Yeah. You blame God and you blame the program. And what'd you do, Anne? You pushed away, didn't you? I did. And that's exactly what the devil was trying to achieve, right? It was trying to throw up a block, a blockade, a roadblock, the Great Wall of China, to keep you from getting to the other side. Right, Anne? Right. So there it is. So what happened? Why don't you tell us more about this? So, so you pushed away. You're, 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 you're hurt. You've been violated. You have no trust in this program. You've, you've really been disappointed. Well, and uh, what happened? I lost trust in the program. I, I, just, I pulled away from everything except for the meetings. I continued to go to the meetings, even during this time when... I didn't have faith in the fact that it could get me sober, but what I did have faith in the fact that it made me feel like I was with people that were like me. It gave me a place where I could go, and even if I didn't speak, I'd hear stories and I'd hear people people that felt the same way that I felt. So I was angry at the the four corners, I guess, of the program, but I still liked, you know, I still felt connected to those meetings. And over time, you know, the anger eased up and the trust built up, and I tried again, um, and I've since had, I think, two, two sponsors since then. Um, but, but I was angry, you know, that I had finally decided to go down the road, and then God let the road, the, he threw up another roadblock on me. If you're just joining us, I'm here with Ann B. My name's Toby C. The name of the show is called The Fourth Dimension. And we talk about the devil, we talk about Satan, we talk about evil resistance during early recovery. And this doesn't have to just be drug and alcohol abuse recovery. This can be anything that we're suffering from that's causing our lives to become unmanageable, that's causing us to, to be irritable, restless, and discontent. In the moment we try to emerge from that, some something evil, something external interferes. And... And your, your interference in early recovery was, was, a, uh, was a sponsor who must have been possessed. What possessed a person to do such a thing? Have you ever heard that saying? What possesses a person to do that? And um, did you have any other uh, strange experiences in early recovery besides this? This uh, sponsor, uh, you know, maybe people that, that disappointed you, maybe phonies, maybe people who were talking the talk, but they weren't walking the walk, and they were, they were causing you to be confused and, well, and doubt whether or not you were on the right path. I think there's a lot of people that talk the talk and don't walk the walk, but that's just my opinion. Um, but I do have other people in the program that 
not that they were sponsors, but just that they were friends that I had confided things in, that I had told stories to, and somehow the stories get out. You know, you like to believe that you can trust the people that you open up to. Um, and there there were, have been a couple people along the way in the program that I've opened up to about whatever things. I have a friend in the program that whenever this person thinks that, you know, I'm I'm faltering in my in my way, um, immediately my friends will get phone my other friends will get phone calls or my family will get phone calls and they'll say, you know, how's show how's she doing? How's she really doing? You know. Um there's a lot of, I don't know what the word is that I'm looking for, but, you know, it's gossip, I guess is the best word. Thank you. <laughs> the gossip. You know, and by the, you know what you're describing? You're describing in early recovery, our buttons are out there for people to push. Oh, they're so sensitive because we don't have drugs and alcohol or whatever we were using to protect those buttons anymore. We got the buttons of pride, ambition, sexual relations, personal relations, emotional security, ambition finances they're all out there you know and, and there's a lot of sick people out there pushing those buttons aren't they there are and uh that's evil i think it's evil it's not good is it no come on god doesn't well, want to push our buttons does he somebody said the other day in a meeting that you know my family pushes my buttons and of course they know where they are because they put them there and that's kind of the truth you know i think the people around us know how to get to us. They know what to say. They know what to do. And maybe it's not them. Maybe the devil's working through them to push the buttons that, I love it. that they know are there. I love it. Precisely. Have you had, ever had a complete stranger push your button? No. Royally? Oh, come on. Not that, well. And then to say, oh, man, you're the devil. <laughs> no, it's usually people I know that push my buttons. Because, <laughs> again, they know they're there. They know... Yeah. They know how to get to me. We're going to be right back with Ann B. talking about evil resistance in early recovery. And we're going to kind of, we're going to try to tie this all into a, a takeaway. But you've already heard the highlights, man, about the dysfunctional family system, unrealistic expectations, unfair judgment, the whole cornucopia of, of evil. And um, we're going to mash it out during our last segment. We're going to be right back with Ann B. Stand by. Toby C., The Fourth Dimension. then please visit us at itmtoby.com. Are you feeling a little uncomfortable? Then you're right where you belong. In the Fourth Dimension with Toby C. You know, we don't talk about God... We talk about the antithesis of God, and we're just wrapping up our number two with Ann B. And um, I'm so sorry that we don't talk about uh, the Garden of Eden. I'm so sorry we don't talk about Adam and Eve. So I'm sorry we're not talking about the forbidden fruit. We're here to talk about the snake. Got it? 
the snake, the snake that's out there, the snake that hides uh, in between those the three letters of the most evil word out there, Y. Yeah. And if you had it to do all over again, um, I don't know. Looking back, for sure. A lot of the actors in uh, in your hula hoop and your reality were evil. They were possessed um, for whatever reason. Um, maybe they were temporarily occupied for the sole purpose of, of discouraging you and keeping you on the wrong path. I don't know. But um, why don't you tie it all in for us, the, uh, the unrealistic expectations, the unfair judgment, the... Uh, the anger, and um, what do you think you could have done different in early recovery if you could have done anything? You know, I don't, I don't know that I could have done anything different in early recovery. I do know that all the expectations that were there to, you know, to achieve my education and to achieve my, my professional status and, and all the things that everybody thought that I should be. Um, when ultimately I just wanted to be me and I, I, and be a mom, you know, that was, that was my only goal in life was to be a good mom to my kids. Um, all those other things were kind of on the outskirts. And I look at it today after, you know, the, I had the two DUIs and I went through ankle bracelets and court monitoring and things, you know, the uh, breathalyzers in the car and the probation and the fines. After all that is over and the divorce and the, you know, the custody battle that went on and, you know, now my, my oldest is going into college and I'm a part of that and, you know, my youngest is going into high school and I'm a part of that. I um, mean, I have my own home and I have a car and I have a job and I'm finally moving in the direction that I want to move in. And, you know, I've, I've enrolled back into school um, for something that I want to do. And in order to, to fulfill the dream that I now have professionally, I need all of those things that I went through. So having all those little devils and, and Satans in my life made me the person that I am and taught me the things that I needed. Let me ask you this. Did all those Satans and little devils in your life and all this pain that you experienced... Did it make a loving God of your understanding more relevant? Let me just ask you this, because where I'm going with this is, um, you know, maybe like so many of us in early recovery, we were still serving self. And I believe recovery is about developing an immediate and overwhelming God consciousness and, and somehow honoring and serving that God consciousness. Well, I think in the beginning it was about serving self because it was, you know, I, I did things to appease people. 
I went to, to treatment because they told me I should. I went back to treatment again because they told me I should. When I left treatment, I went into sober living because they told me I should. To you make know, yourself feel better. To, <laughs> and so now I don't, re- I don't listen to they told me I should. It's what I think I, sh- I want to do. It's, it's what I, my heart makes me happy. And as far as God is concerned, you know, I don't go to my, my higher power now um, and ask for, you know, get me out of this one more time. Now I'm more grateful for the things I have because I, I've, I've been in the ugly hole, you know. And so now I can look at my life and say it's, it's not perfect, but it's way better than it was when I didn't trust. But you've, and you've changed your message, haven't you? You really, you know, you talked about blaming God early on. You talked about blaming God before recovery. You talked about blaming God and some of the, the bumps you hit in the road in early recovery. And and maybe, maybe, Anne, you're at a place now where we don't need to blame God anymore, but we need to be aware of the existence of Satan and the devil and give credit where credit is really due, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, and maybe, you know, if... If a sufferer, somebody who's listening, um, can be aware of the presence of evil and Satan, then maybe reliance on a God of their understanding becomes paramount, right? So long as we place self-reliance first, reliance upon a power greater than ourselves is utterly out of the question. I think I've read that before. And it's about changing our message. And and uh, and you've changed your message, haven't you? You just described that. You're... You no longer make these unreasonable demands upon God. Maybe you no longer make unreasonable demands upon people either. Maybe, you know, what do you think? Well, I, you know, I think I think there was a time when when God and the devil were the same. You know, it was it wasn't that the devil was doing mean things or making me do mean things or putting up roadblocks or making me angry or you know, making me jealous or making me any of those things. It was God who was doing it, as far as I was concerned. You know, God was messing with me. God was letting me down. I, you know, I tried to be a good person. How could you let this happen to me? You know? There it is. Another one of the the big tricks the devil plays is for us to consider that the devil is on equal footing with God. There is only one who has all power, and that one is God, and and may we all find him now. The devil is simply a dark angel there to magnify our bad decisions and our self-centered motives. And once we start to serve self, man, he's there to kick it up into high gear and to really amplify the consequences of our bad decisions. Better believe it. And I want to thank you so much for spending a couple of hours with us, really opening yourself up and talking about um, you know, some of the intimate details of, of your life and how you got into recovery and some of the bumps you hit in the road of early recovery and how they clearly were evil, weren't they? Yeah, they were evil. Got that right. Thank you so much. God bless. I'll see you around soon. Uh, Come back if you're listening to us for more of The Fourth Dimension with Toby C. as we talk about the snake in the Garden of Eden, evil resistance and early recovery. God bless. Take care.
If you enjoy our message, then please visit us at itmtoby.com.